electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, three big stocks we are watching today. Uber beats Alphabet. Look at that. It's sinking today and now all eyes on what Disney delivers tonight in overtime. We're trading all of that with the investment committee. We'll talk about the markets, too, of course. Joining us for the hour, Kerry Firestone, Jim Labenthal, Joe Terranova. Speaking of the markets, let's go to the wall, see what we're doing just past 12 noon in the east. Yeah, you got some hawkish commentary out of the Fed today. What else is new? There's the Dow down 170, one half of 1%. Stock's pretty much hanging in there. NASDAQ's down a good bunch today, almost 1.5%. And a lot of that has to do with comm services is getting hammered today. Alphabet, as we showed you or told you about, is down a lot. We're going to get to that story. We do want to talk about Uber first, though, because it did post the big beat. Uh, the big beat, you might remember uh, yesterday, it, Josh Brown, who, who was here, said it was his highest conviction holding. Josh joins us now to react to the quarter. Uh, I tell you what, uh, you gave the viewers the reason why you like it so much, and I, I suppose they lived up to the hype. I thought it was a really great report, and I enjoyed uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin's interview with Dara this morning. I think the big takeaway here is be very careful about creating buckets and categories and just randomly throwing stocks into them and treating them as though they have some sort of correlation to other stocks. What Uber did... Uh, essentially, during the pandemic, was substitute the loss in the rides business with the the eats business and the delivery business. And now, coming out of the pandemic, they have both firing on all cylinders. This was their best quarter ever. Uber spent two years being lumped in with the, quote, work-from-home stocks or stay-at-home stocks or pandemic plays or whatever. And it is absolutely not that. They have two very large, fast-growing businesses. They have 131 million users on the platform. And this is not users like Twitter users. This is users who literally pay them in actual dollars, not in eyeballs. And that is a very large platform. And it's nice to see Wall Street starting to wake up to the uh, to the potential of this platform today. Stocks, you know, was up a lot. Initially, it's given a little bit back, but it had a big move into the number. So maybe it's a little bit of a uh, sell on the news. I want to read you something that Brad Gerstner uh, gave to me, uh, his reaction to it, and then get your reaction to him. He told me, quote, Uber was the poster child for the unprofitable Silicon Valley excess culture. A year ago, people shouted us down that the business model would never work. But now Silicon Valley is starting to get fit and Uber and Meta are helping lead the way. Their network effects are accelerating and Dara is pressing the advantage by growing revenue without growing expense. But there is a lot more work to do That's on right. margins. This is just the start. The company could be far more profitable at this scale, which would increase its moat and competitive advantage. You concur? 
Yes, Uber did $8.6 billion in revenue over uh, the last quarter. That was a 49% increase over the prior fourth quarter. We're talking about really big growth. Granted, Omicron was a factor in Q4 of 2021. But even if you pull that out, the company is on pace to hit $45, $50 billion in revenue uh, within two calendar years. And they think that they're going to be profitable on an operating basis this year, not in the future, not someday, not if they could just add another 50 million users, like based on the size of the business now. So they reported a, a, a really big surprise profit in Q4. Most of that was because of subsidiaries that they have a stake in that have been written up. Okay, that's fine. Throw it out. Focus on the core business here. They'll be profitable in eats. They'll be profitable um, in in rides, and hopefully someday when the freight the, the freight business grows up, they'll have a three headed monster with again 131 million users and counting who are actually spending money on the platform. This is a very large company. Market cap, I think, does not appreciate what the potential is in year two, mm-hmm. in year three, in year four of profitability. Yep. And so that's why I'm a longer-term shareholder and not a trader Stock here. Stock up 45% year-to-date. I know you got to run, but I really appreciate you jumping on. I know our viewers wanted to hear from you today, and so frankly did I. Josh Brown, thank you. Jo- uh, Joe, you used to own it. You don't anymore. Okay, let's get right to the bullet points. Number one, I'll buy the stock on the close today. Well, you will. Josh is right. This is an absolutely fantastic quarter. I think what's important is over the course of time, how Dara has changed the culture. Remember what the culture of this company was like under the previous CEO. So first of all, he has completely changed the culture. This is now winner take all. Let's throw up Lyft. What's Lyft doing today? Well, Lyft Ger- is down Gerster 4%. calls it winner take most. It's not like Lyft is disappearing, but right? Oh, winner, nev- take, winner take all is nev- a little strong. Scott, you never want to say a company is disappearing, but I'll tell you what. If, if I'm an investor in Lyft, I seriously have to be questioning the strategy moving forward. And, in fact, should they be thinking of themselves as a potential acquisition target? Um, within this quarter, delivery. Delivery was really strong. How is that in such an inflationary, challenged environment? So this is a remarkable quarter. MOC, I'll buy Uber, I'll go back in. And like Josh, I will be an investor here. Okay, so you will be uh, buying that at the close today, says By the Joe time the, the opening words come out of your mouth from closing <laughs> bell over time, I'll have bought it. All right, all right, good stuff. So let's move and talk about Alphabet, because that really is a significant story today, not only on the stock itself, but on the market at large. You, you saw what the NASDAQ was doing relative to um, the other major averages. So there's Alphabet down 8%, um, falling really uh, on the back of what Microsoft, this big splashy, blowout that they did yesterday relative to their investment in, in AI. Um, Jimmy, I, I, wanna, I want you to give me something uh, on this, what Jim Cramer called today, okay? The stock was already down. Then yep. Cramer spoke. I've never been more worried about Alphabet than I am at this very moment. Stock went lower, and now it sits just about at the lows of the day. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty big down day. I have to say I think it's a buying opportunity. Now, I own the stock. I own it significantly below market weight. Um, I do have some cash, Scott. I mean, this is going back a few months now, but I did uh, trim Apple uh, back in September. Uh, I also sold Medtronic, and I've had about 5% cash just sitting there. Now, you may be asking, well, why not? Why, hasn't, why haven't I already bought it this morning? And the answer is when you have a down day like this, it usually tends to crescendo towards the end of the day. So this is something I'm just going to 
wait and see where it settles. But I just refuse to believe that the stock, the company, is worth 8% less than whatever that is in terms of market cap, $100 billion, uh, right now than it was yesterday. This is, in essence, a brand unto itself. Um, yes, there is a competitive threat here. Yes, there is a reason that it should be down today. But 8%, I'm having a hard time with that number. I mean, they're doing their own thing as well. Like, everybody is, is, is doing this in yeah. terms of this being AI and making big investments in it. But what about this move in the stock? What about what Kramer said? Never been more worried about it than I am at this moment. You own it too. Well, sometimes Jim can react in an emotional way. And I think it's a big piece of news that, as you said, splashy AI presentation. But Google is number one in search. They're not giving that up. They're not going to sit around and let Microsoft take a market that's theirs. They're going to come out with their own very splashy day in presentation. I guarantee it will happen. And, you know, it's interesting. Microsoft is up slightly. Google is down a lot. But it's not as if the market really believes that Microsoft is suddenly going to take a lead in this area and, and, and Alphabet's just going to let them have I it. I hear that's you, impossible. but, but let, let's consider how Google itself has, it's in the lexicon. I mean, yeah. you search for something, you Google it. Google it. Right? Correct. It's a verb. Now, maybe Microsoft gives you a reason to bing it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, of course that's possible. And, of course, there's going to be other players in this field. But Google is going to work hard to defend their turf. It's an enormous turf. It's enormous. So, you know, I think that it was inevitable something was going to happen, which is why Google has been spending billions of dollars on AI for years now. Why, why they bought DeepMind, I don't know how many years ago, five years ago? For this very reason, among others. Joe, why don't you own Alphabet? Well, we, we, uh, we moved out of Alphabet in late July based on declining momentum. Uh, so far, that's been the right strategy, somewhere out around 116. I've never questioned the balance sheet of the fundamentals of the company. I will say, though, um, when you're talking about Chatbot and their platform, which is barred, and now we're questioning whether there's accuracy in the information that's being returned from Alphabet, that's, that's an underwhelming rollout. I think the street has to admit that. And, uh, you know, 8% down, to your point, is that warranted? I'm not sure. But certainly a lot of a lot of the recent appreciation, that's going to be have a little bit of a mean reversion. Yeah, if I can just do a little bit more on whether 8% is warranted or not. I mean, there's times when a company has a real problem. And I'll go back six months ago with Meta, right, and some of those earnings reports that came out. And I'm talking six months ago. Stock was down big, and you were looking at the company and saying, there are problems. You're not looking at Google, or at least I'm not, and saying in Alphabet, saying that this is a problematic company. This is a company that is competing and is going to have to compete. But it does have a pretty good track record of competing successfully. It's also at a multiple that, you know, we haven't seen for this sort of company for some time around 20 times forward earnings. Now, some of us may say in this interest rate no. environment, that's still a little expensive. That's 17 excluding the cash. Okay. And actually, that's exactly what I wanted to say. This is an asset light company. This is not like a factory oriented company. It's a cash generating, cash heavy company. That multiple is actually pretty darn cheap. But how do you, how, how do all of you, I, I want to know, sort of reconcile the idea of these companies are right sizing themselves, right? They've all, for the most part, Right. The mega caps, other than Apple, have announced, you know, somewhat significant layoffs at the same time when you are also announcing these huge investments. I loved what Low Tony told me in overtime yesterday, essentially that innovation doesn't doesn't work with a calendar. It happens when it happens. You're going to invest when you're going to invest. 
But still, these companies are trying to find out what their right sizes are for the environment that we're currently in. And now we're talking about this whole splash of investment. Well, I, I think that in the last several years, you probably saw that the workforce for these technology companies were built up beyond what was necessary. I think there was an anticipation that the environment prior to this normalization of the cost of capital would extend a lot further than it did. And I think now that that cost of capital has changed, I think the intentions and the focus on that word efficiency becomes prioritized. But no, innovation doesn't wait. Innovation is always there. It's always present. It's always part of the technology culture. But I think these companies are doing the right thing, aligning the workforce and focusing on the cost efficiency, because in this environment, I think that's what you have to but do this, to thrive, not survive, but to thrive. But doesn't this also, Jimmy, re- remind you of why you buy mega cap tech stocks to begin with? Right. That's where the action is. And those stocks are up year to date. Amazon 17 and a half, Apple 16 and a half, Alphabet and Microsoft uh, 11 and a half, respectively. Um, at a time when we're sort of trying to decipher whether these kinds of gains are warranted, number one, Mm -hmm. whether technology is going to go back into the lead and carry the market higher if it rallies from here. This is a reminder of why you buy these stocks in the first place, is it not? Uh, you can say that. You know, as you're speaking to me, that I've you know, not really bought into that, uh, that I'm far more on the cyclical value-oriented side of the But you own markets. Apple, Alphabet, and Microsoft. I, I do. So watch, let me finish the thought, because this is the first time you've heard me say, hey, you've heard me perk up and say, hey, wait a second, maybe I'll buy some more Alphabet, right? It's the first time in, in months or quarters that you've heard me say that. Um, you know, I think what, we're, what I'm saying to, with regards to this is you have to find your spots, and it may be single stock opportunities. This is not necessarily go buy the whole thing whole complex, at least not to me, but Alphabet on sale by 8%, now I've got to pay attention. I've got to look at that cash that I've got and say, well, why not? Why weren't not? You, weren't you somewhat Alphabet. troubled, though, on last Thursday? <laughs> with all those earnings reports? Yeah. yeah. So but then is, I was is, gratified but with is the that share the, price But as, is that the beginning of what, you know, some like Mike Wilson have suggested is coming well, this is in 2023? Question. This is a well, good question. A I mean, that question. is that is. Just but that's the most yeah. critical question that you have to answer in determining how you're going to be investing around these mega caps. Joe, I think you're right. And I think the answer can be one of two. It can be like we're just at the start of the slippery slope down in earnings and it's going to go on through the rest of the year. Or it could be, hey, wait a second. This is kind of as bad as it gets. Remember the labor markets hanging in there that Mm -hmm. should propel growth in the economy, China's reopening, et cetera, et cetera, in which case you have basically just a growth slowdown. This looks like the beginning of 2016. We all know what that looked like. It slowed down and then it reaccelerated. You know where I am in answering that question. Valuations have already corrected a lot, too. They're going to get a premium, like it or not, over where the market at large trades. Yeah, I mean, think about this industry. Let's call it the kind of tech slash advertising business. It was in a recession in 2022. The stocks went down tremendously. They went down anywhere from 30% to 75% and got to the point where they were oversold. You know, undeniably, whether you love, you know, uh, Meta and what they've done and the metaverse, it was 10 times earnings and, you know, enormous amounts of cash. And and Google traded as low as, you know, 16 times earnings. And uh, they all have hundreds of billions of cash collectively. So these stocks were cheap and had their recession. And I think that justifiably they've gone higher. And one last thing on the earnings, if you normalize, if you just say, you know, take out some of the pandemic supercharged earnings, they're still growing double digits. Of course. You know, Joe, you said something interesting to me yesterday in overtime, I thought, where you said something to the effect of I'm willing to give up 
performance rather than chase this trade. Correct. You're not a believer in it. I'm not confident that what Jimmy is saying, and I hope Jimmy's right, um, I'm not confident that this isn't the beginning of something that we're going to see in the subsequent quarters in 2023, where we're going to see from a higher level, but you still, if you're getting a deceleration in earnings, valuations are going to reset. Haven't they already in anticipation of that? uh, They did. But then they've also lifted significantly here so far year to date. But Carrie just as justified. Example. She used the word justified a moment ago when talking about the moves in in these stocks. You did think, right there. Justified. I, I, that's that. That's that's respectfully. That's a difference of opinion. If we're relying solely on valuation, I'll tell you that to me, where Meta sits today looks far more appealing to me than, let's say, where Tesla sits, given the performance, the valuation reset. And what we've seen so far delivered. Okay, so let's move to our third big stock of of the first part of the show. That's Disney. Jimmy, you got this one. Uh, You own it. And, man, I I can't wait to see what happens in overtime tonight. Right? Iger back on the conference call. First time since first quarter since coming back. Big questions about Disney Plus, the profitability there. What's the park situation with the macro restructuring cost cuts on and on the proxy Proxy yep, fight yep, yep, they yep. got going on with Tryon. Nelson Peltz wants a seat on the board. He's got a lot on his plate tonight. Yeah. And I, I, by the way, I think Stephanie, I forget if it was yesterday or the day before, said, like, she's behind Nelson Peltz. I am, too. As she said, like, why wouldn't you want the help? But egos are involved here. We know that. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to Disney. For me, the most important one is the streaming business. I think the parks are fine, okay? I think we see enough in travel and leisure activity that the parks should be fine. But the big question in my mind is, what is Mr. Iger going to do about spending on streaming? Now, Where I am is spend on it, invest, okay? Invest in it because by the end of this year, I think you're going to see profitability uh, at the very end of this year in the streaming business, and that's something the market will love. Incremental margins, once you get to profitability on each subscriber, are tremendous. I know, but their, their subscriber growth, though up a lot, expected to be year on year, Yeah, is expected to be down sequentially quarter on quarter. So that suggests, right, that... Your prediction of profitability later on might be in question. It, well, certainly, it might well, be in question. And especially given what I just is, read to you. So what I'm looking for today is I want to see blowout numbers on subscriber counts. That's what I am looking for. I don't know that it, within this quarter you're going to see enough in the earnings to where the street's going to get excited. And so, okay, you know, Disney is, is the place, once again, where we could be uh, allocating towards and the way we have the comfort that management has us under control. I think this evolves over the coming quarters. And I think really more than more importantly than than anything else. Yes, you want to see the return of profitability for streaming. We, we all understand that you want to see that there was the peak loss, as Bob Chapek told the street uh, in fiscal Q4. But it's the vision. I mean, tonight, to me, it's all about the strategic vision. What's the vision? for this company looking forward. And is Nelson Peltz, okay, going to be in agreement with that vision? And is the story for Disney in the coming quarters going to be about the vision, the turnaround, or is the story going to be about the contention between Nelson Peltz and Bob Iger? The big question tonight is going to be whether the results strengthen Tryon and Peltz's hand. Does he kitchen sink it tonight? Does he try and get all of the bad stuff out? If you do that, you give Peltz a chance to say, see, I told you it's bad. That's why they need my help. That's not Iger's way. He's not he's not into kitchen sinking it. I mean, this is a guy who has built the company. He built up 
a company with one brand after another. You think about Marvel and Lucas and all of the acquisitions he made at Pixar even, you know. Um, he built into a tremendous powerhouse. So I, I think that we're not going to hear enough about cost cutting and cost control for the activists. And if the streaming numbers aren't great, the stock could stumble a bit because investors want both. One group well, of stocks up a lot. About, yeah, stocks up a 50%. lot year to date. Yeah, well, it's up twenty eight percent in a month. Yeah, right. In right, anticipation right. of okay, Iger's back at the wheel. Let's see what he's got. Maybe it's up a little bit too. On well, let's see if Peltz gets gets in the boardroom. Yeah, and it was oversold. I mean, it probably was oversold anyway. It deserved to go higher. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. Up next, the committee weighing in on the top analyst calls of the day. We're back in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're back on the half. Goldman Sachs, the price target today raised to $420 by noted analyst Mike Mayo. He says Goldman's undervalued relative to its peers. It's one of our calls of the day. Jimmy, you own Goldman Sachs. It's had a nice little move year to date, up it, about 10 percent or so. Yeah, it's had kind of a stealthy move. Remember that bad earnings report that it had and, and the embarrassment, frankly, of Morgan Stanley uh, absolutely crushing it the day later or maybe it was the same day. Um, but the stock's coming back. Now, what is that saying? Mr. Mayo, who we all know, uh, thinks that it's cheap and it is cheap. But I, I don't think you can get into this just because it's cheap. I think you have to expect that if you believe like me, the economy is doing better than expected, that the deal calendar is going to pick up, that there's going to be M&A activity, that there's going to be security issuance which has basically been dead for all of these companies. I think that's what the price movement is reflecting. If somebody says it's reflecting the cost cuts that were done in the fourth quarter, I'd say that's kind of wishful thinking that all of that effect is going to be done in one quarter. But it's a high-quality company in a space I want to be in uh, at an attractive price. I'd rather pay a little bit of a higher premium to be in Morgan Stanley. I gotcha. I like the wealth management. I like the acquisition of E-Trade, Eaton Vance. Uh, and there's there's not that exposure that exists with Goldman Sachs with that little entree into consumer banking. I think they lost their identity by doing that. All right. Sherwin. Sherwin Williams downgraded today uh, at key bank sector weight from overweight. Kerry. 
You own this? Yeah. So Sherman hitting a bit by an, uh, a road bump. And this quarter is going to be tough. We think next quarter will start to improve, particularly because interest rates are coming down. Mortgages are going to be less expensive. And that's been a factor with new home sales and people spending money on large renovations. But we think it's a great company. And we believe that we'll see an improvement over the second half of the year. Jimmy, I mean, as long as housing's in the penalty box, this stock's not going to work, is it? Uh, yeah, but what if what if we're actually seeing some green shoots in housing? Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I'm sticking with a small position here. That's why I'm sticking with Home Depot. Stock's not anticipating the green <laughs> shoots, not seeing the ones you are, right? Well, it will. The stock is not. You are correct. Um, you know, that said, mortgage rates, 30-year mortgage rates are down more than a percent from the all-time, or not all-time high, from the recent high. Uh, and look, consumption, excuse me, employment is still strong. People are still in need of housing. So you put this all together and those green shoots should take hold. All right, Cisco today, tactical outperform list, Evercore ISI. They say, quote, they're poised for a strong quarter. Target 58, you own it, Cisco. They've had a few good quarters now. And what the few good quarters in a row have said is that enterprise spending is hanging in there. Now, they have not been given the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And in part, it's because, and I'm looking at you, Carrie, companies like Salesforce have given an alternate view on enterprise spending. But again, in terms of the hardware and software that Cisco provides, they've had a few quarters here where demand has been good, supply chains have unraveled, and I think that just continues. Again, stock's done nothing this year as, as tech has had a nice move. Yeah, but it didn't get the, you know, didn't get it. Didn't do anything last clobbered. year either, yeah. and it should have. Th- this is a lower beta name. Go ahead, Joe. It but remember, no, it's lower it is. beta. Yeah, but it is low, a lower, lower beta, beta tech year. did well. Yeah. Isn't that the whole point? Well, last right? year. Last year we're talking yes, about yeah. it. But it didn't yeah. do anything last year. Well, it didn't, it didn't go down like the rest of the tech market did. Listen, here's the thing about Cisco. Let me make this point because I make it every time. Okay, if you've held this for 10 years as I have, okay, this stock tracks the S&P 500 to get a little bit more return from the dividend. Here's the thing. You don't have the drama of Apple and what's going on with China or what we're seeing with Google today. You just don't have that with Cisco. It's a low drama. I take 10 years of Apple over 10 years of Cisco. Sorry. It was 57. It was 57 back. You can can do that. (laughs) Guys, 10 years of this outperforming on a total return, the S&P 500, it's doing what I want. Last year is the the exact environment where Cisco should have worked. It was 57 back in February. It was 38 in October. Now's your opportunity, Joe. Now's your opportunity. Market on close Cisco. China's been a big, a big deal, right? Supply chain's been a big, big deal. And once that, we think, has been settled, you know, we'll see if we'll see. Stocks in the same place it was in 2018. Market on close for Joe T. No. <laughs> All right. American Express upgraded to overweight at Morgan Stanley. Carrie, you got it. AXP. Yeah. yeah. Love, love American Express. I mean, 30% of the new spending was millennials and Gen Z. They're getting the benefit of higher interest rates. People are traveling. There's more business travel, more tourist travel. That's good for American Express. It's really a well-run company. And the stock is, is at a reasonable multiple. So we like it for many reasons and think it has more to go. Joey, Tractor Supply. It seems odd that I'm going to you and not Jim on Tractor Supply. Um, but he doesn't own it anymore, and you do. Initiated overweight Barclays 254 is the PT. It's on been it. a, uh, a position in Joe T since inception, never left. There's only 10 names left that can uh, make that claim. It's a company with a fantastic balance sheet that's navigated the environment. Management has uh, done all of the right things that you want to see done with the balance sheet, maintain strong, positive momentum, and its customer retention is remarkably strong. What's the matter with you? 
How can you be Farmer Jim and not own Tractor Supply? <laughs> I have like an the greatest disconnect ever. I have an identity crisis. I, 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 I've, got, type I've got people in my firm who are kicking me in the behind on this one, and I, it, it may reappear. Okay. It may reappear. All right, you let us know. You, no pressure, obviously. Yeah. No, don't, don't, peer, investing on peer pressure is not good. I, I, no, 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 but I've got, I've got a team of talented individuals who okay. are pinging me on this. Okay, Delta upgraded to buy at Redburn. 55 bucks is the price target. There it is at 39. Jimmy, you own this. Yeah, it's a, look, it's a fabulous airline. The question is, do you want to own airlines? Do you want to own a fabulous airline like Delta at 7.7 times this year's earnings, below six times next year's earnings? You do if you believe that we're not going to have a recession, as I believe. If you believe believe we're going to have a recession, you don't own airlines. But look, look at TSA travel accounts. They're well above 2019 levels. You look at what Mr. Bastian and other in the industries are saying, in the industry are saying, uh, and demand is very, very strong. Yeah, well, stock's up 20 percent year to date. So, uh, so we get it. All right. Coming up, we're going live to Las Vegas ahead of Wynn and MGM earnings in overtime. Both stocks seeing gains over 20 percent so far this year. We'll get the committee's take on the casino trade. Next, and as you know, during February, we are celebrating black heritage through the stories of some of our CNBC teammates, contributors, and leaders in business. Here is Horace McBean, CNBC Control Room Operations Director. What I'm really proud of is how Jamaican folk, we persevere. Um, We know how to survive. Uh, We take the small amount of things that we have and we make really big things out of them. Working for CNBC have been great because it provides so much to me. And, you know, being a director now, I've grown up in this this company and be able to have what I have today and be able to give back to my small community back home is just thankful and grateful for that. So always remember that when you make it and you become successful, try to give back and give back as much as you can. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Halftime Report. I'm Christina Partsnevelis, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Illegal migrant crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border hit a two-year low in the month of January. The Department of Homeland Security said the number of encounters Border Patrol agents had with migrant crossing the southern border dipped below 130,000 last month. Secretary Mayorkas credits the decline to new policies that allow some migrants to legally apply for asylum. Researchers at Boston University found chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Gosh, that's a tongue twister. And 92% of former NFL players who were analyzed in a recent study, the CT, much easier to say, center, intentionally provided an update of the study during the same week as Super Bowl 57. The data, though, does not mean that roughly 92% of all former and current NFL players have CT, which can only be definitively diagnosed after death. And LeBron set an NBA all-time scoring record Tuesday night in Los Angeles. The four-time MVP surpassed the record of 38,387 points that Hall of Famer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar held for 39 years. Abdul-Jabbar was courtside as James broke his record, and the two 
had a moment at center court after officials paused the game. Scott. That was a great moment. Christina, thank you. That's Christina Partsinevelos. It's a big day for the casino stocks today. Got earnings results coming in overtime from Wynn and MGM. Our Contessa Brewer is live in Las Vegas with a look at what investors should be watching for Contessa. Hi there, Scott. Yeah, Wynn and MGM both give us meaningful insight into the discretionary spending of Americans last quarter, and not just on the Las Vegas Strip, but in Massachusetts and, in MGM's case, around the country. Its fourth quarter revenue, MGM's, is expected to come in at $3.3 billion. That would mean 10% growth over last year, but consensus is a decline of 12 times per share or a loss of a buck 37. Just a reminder here, gaming analysts don't really focus on EPS as they consider property earnings more central to performance. There were some tough year-on-year comps, so we'll be looking for any indication of margin erosion as labor comes back and is more expensive, whether that cuts into profits. And on the call, we'll want to hear about the group business in 2023 in Las Vegas because it's one thing to have a packed calendar, but another to have people actually in rooms, actually eating in restaurants or gambling. Look, there was a lot of rah-rah over CES. But the attendance was still down significantly from pre-pandemic levels. And for MGM, and even more so for Wynn Resorts, the first quarter is a dramatically different landscape than last quarter because of the reopening in Macau. So the calls are important here. We'll be listening for an indication about Lunar New Year visitation and spend. Workforce headwinds as well. Wynn's fourth quarter report has more relevance than its competitor Las Vegas Sands, because its U.S. business has been keeping it, and Macau, afloat. Wynn CEO Craig Billings endured the long quarantine to visit his employees and regulators in Macau. He's the only uh, Las Vegas CEO who's actually been to Macau since the pandemic began, and he went right before the concession was renewed. He's going to sit down with me tomorrow for an exclusive interview right here on Halftime Report, and we'll be able to probe more deeply into a lot of these questions about macroeconomics, what he's seeing in China, and certainly what he's seeing around the United States in terms of leisure travelers, particularly, Scott, at the high end. That, Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer out in Las Vegas. Forrest, you are our resident casino shareholder, Mr. Labenthal. Uh, that was a fabulous report because she covered everything and there was a lot to cover. There's a lot of moving parts with what's going on with casinos, Scott. So I'm going to focus on two things. Macau? Uh, actually not Macau, and that may surprise you, but it's kind of good news there. It's just taking off. Let's let that percolate a little bit. The two things I want to focus in on are this. She mentioned CES, big, big convention held in January. How big? It was the first time it's been back in person in several years. That used to be the big one, okay? Let's see what Mr. Billings on the earnings report tonight says about the impact of that in the first quarter. The second thing is Mr. Billings. He and his management team do an excellent job of communicating. I mean, really good. They tell it like they see it. They don't sugarcoat anything. They don't hide behind words. They will tell us what's going on with the discretionary spending that Contessa rightfully pointed out is very highly discretionarily uh, spending in Las Vegas. Do you, Joe, want to tell Jim what you think of casinos or would you like me to from my <laughs> Scott, you could do that. Why don't you go okay. ahead? I'll Joe says, I'll gauge his reaction. He says respectfully to you <laughs> and, and many others, he thinks casinos are, quote, dinosaurs in the desert. Yes, I do. He doesn't own any of the stocks. I think for my children, there is so much competition that Thinking about Vegas, look, CES, wonderful conference. It was in January. People went for the weather. 
They're there for the weather. The competition right now that exists, online gaming, take tonight with Disney. If Disney gets creative and utilizes ESPN and says, okay, we've got this unbelievable franchise, we're going to attack, uh, attach online gaming to it, right? That's more competition for these casinos. Uh, in the financial industry in the last several years, we've created, we've created a gaming environment. Just go look at weekly options or these zero-dated options. So there is significant competition. And I think for my children, uh, when they sit where I sit today, uh, they're going to look back and realize it was nothing more than weather. That might be true in a few years, wow. but right now, right now, nothing right now, more it's than weather. Right now, <laughs> it's weather. a lot of fun going to Vegas. Well, I got to take you out there, okay? We all got to go out. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's not just the well, gambling. Super Bowl is there next year. It's it's hey, let's go, you know, rent a race car and race around a track. It's hey, let's go play some golf. Let's drink. Let's have food. Let's go see Blue Man Group or whatever the heck is playing. It's honestly still, still right now, Joe, a place that people go and have How a really good time. How about I bring my laptop and I go to Miami and I do the same thing? Less to, travel. To whatever floats your boat, my friend. <laughs> but I'd st- rather hang out with the you. The stocks have done quite well uh, <laughs> so far this they year. Have. Win MGM and LVS. And obviously, a lot of has a lot of it has to do with uh, the China reopening. That's and the, true. And That's true. I didn't mean to downplay that. It's just not what I'm focused on right now. Well, maybe you should be. <laughs> That's my point. Anyhow, Affirm and Robinhood they also report in overtime tonight. Both stocks have been soaring since the start of the year. We'll get you ready for the results when we come back. We are back. Let's bring in our Kate Rooney now with a look at two more stocks reporting earnings in overtime today, Affirm and Robinhood. And as Kate, I look at these stocks, Affirm is up 75 percent year to date. Robinhood is up 30, sort of caught up in that frenzy, if you will, Kate, of those speculative type stocks, highly shorted stocks that are running. Yeah. They're certainly benefiting from that this year, Scott. They both had pretty good years. But if you zoom out a bit, it's been a tough road for Robinhood and Affirm. Big earnings day, though. Let's start with, uh, with Robinhood here. All about revenue diversification and a path to profitability. Wall Street is looking for Robinhood to move away from just trading fees, which still accounts for more than half of income, into things like subscription and retirement accounts and savings as well. The street is closely watching account growth, user numbers, and revenue per user slowed last quarter at higher rates have been sort of a catch-22 for Robinhood. On one hand, it's helping net interest income, but also hitting trading volume in the markets. So expect to hear more about overall austerity on the call. That's been a theme for fintech. Robinhood is among the fintechs that have gone through layoffs and a lot of belt tightening recently. Over to a firm, though, different type of fintech, more on the lending and buy now, pay later side. Gross merchandise volume, GMV, is the main way to really measure activity on that platform, a key number to watch. Also, the take rate and then loan loss provisions and delinquencies, which could also give us a glimpse into the overall health of the consumer. Partnerships are top of mind for Affirm investors as well. It had this exclusive partnership with Amazon that expired a couple of weeks ago. Peloton has been a drag on revenue and competition is the real theme to listen for. On the call, you've got Apple, Venmo and the banks all competing now with their own offerings. Back to you, Scott. All right. Uh, I'm going to see you in overtime. I'm sure that Kate Rooney, thank you very much. Uh, We will see you then. Joe, this is emblematic, as we said, of these kinds of stocks that have ripped. The short interest in a firm is 18 percent, 10 percent of the float short in Robinhood. But those are the stocks that have been running, right? I'm not sure how you get away from the overwhelmingly challenged fundamentals for these companies. Um, I don't think that you can ignore them. I understand the mentality that's in the market right now 
where people are looking to rent these names for trading profitability. I have no problem with that. If you're successful doing it, congratulations to you. Continue doing it and have a risk management strategy, but it's been proven over the long run that that's an unsuccessful strategy. All right, Jimmy, we use this opportunity to get an earnings reaction from you for CVS, which beat. You own it. My reaction is a very big smile. Um, And it wasn't just the earnings beat, which is terrific. They have a long uh, history of earnings surprises, but it's also the fact that they're acquiring this Oak Street Health uh, uh, Company, which continues their process of building a vertically integrated from start to finish uh, consumer health care company. So whether it's insurance, pharmacy benefits, or now primary care, they've got everything under one roof. It's a great model. I think this deserves a much higher multiple than 10 times. CEO is going to be on Closing Bell today, by the way, 3 o'clock Eastern time, and that's a CNBC exclusive interview. Karen Lynch is going to join Sarah. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, All right. Carrie, O'Reilly is tonight, too, in overtime. You own that still, right? Absolutely. We've been trimming it because the stock was up 20 percent last year versus down 18 percent for the S&P. So it's been a fantastic stock. Uh, We don't expect there to be much growth, but, you know, it'll be solid. The used car market is still strong. We're still seeing people needing to repair their cars. They're a leader in the field. They were opening new stores. They've discussed cost control, how they had bought too much inventory, and they're scaling that back. So we think it'll be a solid quarter, not expecting too much, hopefully nothing disappointing but the stock should probably keep up performing. All right. Another quick break. Mike Santoli on the other side with his midday word. Plus, as always, we are getting ready to grade your trades. You can email us, askhalftime at CNBC.com. You can tweet us, use the hashtag GradeMyTrade. We will be right back. All right. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli joining us now for his midday word from the New York Stock Exchange. You know, I don't know. You think yields are having something to do with the the trade today because yields were up. And then I even I mean, the 10 year yield is now down. I mean, the two year yield is barely moving. Yeah, I think uh, yields over the course of a couple of days have something to do with it. I, I, you know, if I was looking at the one year yield, it is, again, the highest yield on the curve. Uh, it has had a pretty pronounced move higher. And it's really just about uh, this idea that we've known 5 percent plus or minus a bit, is going to be where the Fed likely lands. Now it's looking maybe like it's 5% plus. Maybe we have to add higher odds of a, of a third uh, quarter point hike from here. So that's part of it. But really, we, we should have been in kind of pullback digestion mode coming in, up 8.5% on the S&P year to date. Also, the NASDAQ 100 names have done a tremendous amount of the work toward that gain. Now a little bit of a test of whether that was real mean reversion, whether the AI adrenaline that's running through this market is finally getting spent in the short term as well. Yeah. And the uh, I mean, Alphabet is obviously having an impact on on the Nasdaq today. And as we yeah. you know talked about that in your last word last night about this rush to AI and the collateral damage, at least in the interim, before we hear about what everybody under the sun is going to do as well. Right. I don't think anyone thinks that it should account for tens of billions of dollars of market cap going up or down in these companies on a, on a, on a day, which is what we're seeing with Microsoft and, uh, and Alphabet. Uh, but it maybe just spotlights the idea that maybe Google's mode is not as wide as we thought. Also, keep in mind, you know, Alphabet around 100 bucks a share. We were there a week ago. So all these stocks got uh, kind of uh, up on a perch now being knocked back. Just a little bit. So it doesn't really make sense, big picture, but you never know if it just kind of gets to some underlying concerns. You make a good point, as always. And I will see you for your Uh last word later on. That's Mike Santoli at the Stock Exchange. Great. My trade is up next. Send us an email. Ask halftime at CNBC.com. You can tweet us as well. We're right back. 
All right, it's time for Grade My Trade. First up, Carrie, your first. NEO in Toronto, Canada bought Altria January 20th, $44.70 as a dividend play. But the stock has popped on earnings and buybacks. I'm debating taking my profits. What do you think here? Yeah, I think that you've done a really good job. I mean, you bought the stock a little lower than it is right now. Um, I'd, I'd give it a, uh, I'll give you an A minus slash B plus. I mean, the stock hasn't moved that much, but it's an 8% yield. It was flat for last year, up slightly, so way outperformed the S&P. Um, of course, you know, it's flat growth when it, when you talk about usage, but you've got the yield. They had the big run for defensive stocks. Maybe you're going to get a little bit more interest in that type of name over the next few months. So I'd stick with it. Uh, maybe sell a little. All right. Farmer Jim from Carl Winter bought 500 shares of rig Transocean, six bucks on January 20th. Number one, do I hold or accumulate more on the dip? Give me that answer first, and I'll give you number two. Yeah, so hold it. Don't buy more right here because there will be a dip. It's up 25% in three weeks, but this is a good stock to own right now. I haven't been vocal enough about this, and I'm going to be more vocal on it. Number two, if the stock is exposed to daily WTI fluctuations, do we skate to where we think the puck is going? Not to where it is? Long-term. This is long-term fluctuations in oil prices. And with what's been going on with oil prices, particularly supply, you have seen day rates for these rigs that Transocean runs going up and up and up. And so far up that they're actually bringing on rigs that they've idled. So their cash flows are going to go up much more than the street expects. That's why I think long-term, this is where you want to be. Joey from Eileen Steel Dynamics. I bought 140 shares at 50 bucks, sold it at 105 should I buy it again? Obviously, the trade was great, but the, the question itself is more important than the grade, I think. It is. Okay. But we'll give, I, we'll give Eileen Obviously an, an A-plus. We'll give Eileen an A-plus on that one. I, I, I think in this situation, similar to what Jimmy just described, I think you want to wait for a little bit of a pullback. The 105-110 area where you let the shares go, that's probably where you want to buy the shares back once again. This is a U.S.-oriented steel maker, 95% of its revenue here in the U.S., Steel usage beginning to moderate, moderate somewhat. All right. Thank you. Final trades are next. All right. We got a big overtime. Four o'clock Eastern. Disney earnings do not miss. The casinos, Robinhood, Affirm, and others will have a Disney shareholder joining us. And then Cameron Dawson of New Edge as well on all things market. So I'll see you guys in a few hours' time for that. Carrie Firestone, start us off with... Wabtech, their supplier to the railroad industry with infrastructure spending going up. And of course, all the railroads announced big capex. Very good for Wabtech. Thank you, Farmer Jim. I do like that Wabtech call, but my final trade is Citigroup. I think this has been uh, undiscovered, frankly, in terms of the rally it's had this year up 13%. Is it finally coming out of the valuation purgatory in which it's lived for years? I think so. You like it better than Goldman or Morgan Stanley? I do. I do. Based on look, based on if this valuation corrects to somewhat normal, you might have a double here. Wow. Glad I asked that question. Okay. Thank you, Farmer Jim. Joe T. Chat Joe T. I will reiterate. I I will reiterate on Uber. Also, one o'clock, big 10-year treasury auction. Oh, yeah. You're buying Uber at the close. Yes, sir. All right. Just to remind people. All right. Does it for us. I will see you in a few hours time in overtime. The exchange is right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key. 
But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.